0: I'm curious, how did you, one, get the information out to the public, who it sounds like weren't really clear on what was at stake here, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and two, how did you mobilize people that were before, you know, not exactly known for being politically active?
2: Well, fortunately I was trained by my previous activist to work with Pagan in in stopping Mm -hmm. the mining, and I learned some very important lessons. Mm -hmm. The first lesson is, you have to think of the perspective of the people you're trying to convince Mm -hmm. It didn't work when I told this community, this is your responsibility to be a steward of the land.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. It didn't appeal to them because they're more concerned with feeding their kids and they're more concerned with the fact that their hospital's really bad and that people Mm -hmm. die in the hospital. Mm -hmm. They're more concerned about more pressing issues right in their face than on, you know, saving the trees. Mm -hmm. So those arguments don't work. And so what I did was... I just looked at, and we looked at I should say, because we're all working together, all all of us Mm -hmm. in the Alternative Zero Coalition know this community, and we just started saying, okay, why is this what they would not want? And we started telling that story. Mm -hmm. We're saying, you think that this is a military base that's going to benefit you, but it's not. You don't get any money from this. Mm -hmm. It just destroys your resources. You think that we're all opposed to the U.S. military, but we're not. We're not opposed to the military, we're not opposed to the people in uniform, we're not opposed to your children, any more than we're opposed to ourselves and our aunts and our uncles and all these people who serve. But we are opposed to this bad plan. It's a terrible land use plan. And it's not only going to destroy our land, it's going to make us unhealthy.
0: Where did this dialogue happen, by the way?
2: These happened in letters, uh, in the newspaper, in interviews. It happened in outreach. We started to go out into the community. Whenever there was a gathering, we set up an alternative zero booth. We got pictures of the bombing of Farallon de Mandamitsa. We got pictures of the bombing of Mm Ka'olabe. We got pictures of the giant crater called Sailor's Hat on that island, which was the result of the Navy's just curiosity to see what damage the impact of an atomic bomb would be on the land, and they, they loaded up thousands and thousands of pounds of dynamite and set it off. It's a gigantic hole.
0: They'll just blow things up to make sure yeah. they
2: can. Well, yeah, they got to do something. And, and I know they're out there and they, they have a real important role mm-hmm. in protecting the, the country. But they're also guys, mm-hmm. really. And guys like to blow things up. And they're into <laughs> it. They're really into it. <laughs> and, um, and these pictures were enable people to visualize what we're telling them. Look at Ka'olabe. Look at the soil. It's gone. And, mm-hmm. and you know, you hear stories of people picking up what looks like rocks and it just crumbles in their hands. It's been bombed so severely. And we showed pictures of Pagan with this extraordinary beauty and put it right next to Ka'olabe mm-hmm. to see this is what's going to happen. This is what we're talking about. We're talking about the annihilation of every living thing on this island through 120 years of bombing. Mm-hmm. and what do we know about the bombs that are going to be developed in 5 years let alone 120 years
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know that never that's never written down they never say we're going to limit the bombing to these
1: mm-hmm.
2: they don't, they invent new ways to destroy things constantly, the level of bombs, bomb destruction has gone way up since World War 2 mm-hmm. there's no comparison to what they can do now so they will destroy these islands so we blew up these big um, blown out posters mm-hmm. that showed what we're talking about. We showed them bombing Farlon Mendonita. We showed them shooting missiles um, and blowing up targets in the desert. We showed the uh, piles of shells that were gathered up when they tried to clean up Ka'olave. We showed bombs stuck in the roofs of people's houses that on um, has, they they missed, and they hit people's houses. And they, and they didn't blow up. Thank God they didn't blow up. But here's a picture. I have a picture of an American Indian reservation near a firing range and here's this big bomb sticking out of the earth on their side of the fence mm. we showed all these things how
0: did people react?
2: they were shocked and they, they, got, they got it they got mm. it because they could see it
0: mm-hmm.
2: the other thing we did is when the military had their hearings required hearings you have to inform the public in public hearings they set them up on Tinian and uh, two on uh, Saipan
1: mm-hmm. and
2: we were there the Navy tried to keep us out in fact, they, like they, they try to keep Paganwatch from having a presence. For instance, there was a school, Southern High School. Mm-hmm. They got the whole high school, and they were, they're going to have their um, meeting in the cafeteria. But they convinced the administrators of the school to keep us off the school campus. And you had to walk quite a ways to get to, to the cafeteria where the public meeting was being held. And we had planned. We had thousands, literally thousands of comments from people that we are going to put on the wall. Comments on what? On how they felt. There was a petition that went out. It was mm-hmm. online petition. And in this petition, as people signed the petition opposing the use of the CJMT, they were asked a question, why is this issue important to you? And some of the answers, they just break your heart.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: we printed them all out, and we are going how to put them. How many comments were there? And total, for the whole CJMT, there are over 30,000 comments.
0: Oh, for and, thirty thousand comments. Yeah, how and many I, people live here?
2: Um, well, we got about fifty thousand. Almost, <laughs> almost, almost, almost uh, half of them
0: mm-hmm. are
2: probably never even interested in this because they're just workers from other countries mm-hmm. that are here. They're not. They're not into this. So this is think not their, their issue. A lot of comments came from Guam. A lot of where? comments came from. Um, supporters in Guam, in the US mainland, in the diaspora, which Mm -hmm. is all the Chamorros and the Carolinians from the CNMI that are living in the United States, some of them in the military too. Because as I said, it's a land use issue, the uh, marines where they're serving are planning to bomb their home.
0: But how did did you get so many people to hear about it?
2: Because of the online petitions.
0: Oh, so that spread the word. And
2: I'm a computer programmer, and I was able to mm. use their API to go in and, and extract the comments. Mm-hmm. So I extracted these comments, and I printed them all out on eight and a half by 11 pages. And I had boxes about a foot high of these, and we were going to paste them on the route, to take them to the walls mm-hmm. on the route and hang them by string so that as you walked to the military hearing, you could read what everybody says. Mm-hmm. And there's no way you would not be affected by these because there were good points made and there were heartfelt points made.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and you knew them, you knew the people because you do names right by their quote. When they signed the petition, they said, it's okay to put my name and my comment. And so that's what we were going to do. But the Navy wouldn't um, let us uh, put anything on the walls. But what we did is we, we were outside the school and we talked to the neighbors and we got, in, we got neighbors to let us set up in their front yards. Mm-hmm. So what we did, I'll talk <laughs> about Southern High School in particular. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. We had all our posters up, mm-hmm. and our posters were not just pictures. They were also charts, and they were informative. And we had tables with information on the tables. What were you informing them? Of the uh, details of the CJMT, what mm-hmm. they were planning to do to Tinian, how many bombs were going to be dropped, mm-hmm. how long was going to happen, what were the areas of the of the ocean they would not be able to access. For instance, Tinian, once they started there, you could not just fly the airplane route isn't direct anymore you have to go a long way around and -hmm. if you want to go fishing you have to stay away from the island and you want you just basically all your costs went up you had to pay Mm -hmm. for fuel to go the long way around to get to the fishing ground Mm -hmm. and your fishing ground can't be anywhere near Tinian, Mm -hmm. Pagan, um, uh, Farallon Mendenica if you're going to if if they're training in Pagan you can't get to Agrigan, which is north Even Alamagan, like no-fly
0: zones around the the bombing ranges?
2: And from the mid, if you had ships out there, multinational ships and their training, you won't be allowed in the ocean at all. Hmm. So all these things were part... And and there's a lot of information about what are the endangered species. What about... Like the Navy has a study
1: Hmm. where
2: they said, what will be the invasives that will come? So, you know, it's good to give people the information. Like the Navy's own study says they're bringing two venomous snakes. We can expect two venomous snakes to come from Indochina. And piggybacking on the equipment that the military will be bringing as they join the joint training out here. It's like 90-something 90, 90 percent certainty we'll have two venomous snakes.
1: That's so insane. So
2: these kinds of things, it's a lot of information, and we just made it easy for someone, before they went in to hear the Navy's pitch,
0: mm-hmm. that
2: they could come in here and see our pitch.
0: How hard would it be for them to figure out this information on their own? Like, how big is the CJMT?
2: The draft CJMT document. Mm-hmm. I believe it was... 1500 pages and that's 1, not even pages. And, and it's in highly technical uh, form and it's all in English and a lot of these people that live here their first language is Chamorro mm-hmm. their first language is Carolinian the majority of people are not college educated and they're reading at a you know a much lower level than these things are being written so how can they understand them and who has time to read 1500 pages of highly technical information
0: mm-hmm.
2: they maybe didn't bother to translate anything into the languages that people speak.
0: Sounds like sort of a shortcoming in what's supposed to be a democratic process, right? All this information that they need to give people that's important to their well-being isn't actually made accessible.
2: That's right. It's not accessible. And, and the whole goal is, for the Navy, their goal is to comply with the law
1: mm-hmm.
2: in the way that will not interfere with them achieving their objective of getting the project through. So they volunteer nothing. Mm-hmm. and they are not going to put them in the foreign language that that they mm-hmm. have to hire someone to do and translate well, I heard, 1500
0: pages. I the CJMT was translated into Chamorro. They
2: have a very small summary. It's just a few pages long in Chamorro.
0: Oh, that's rich. Yeah,
2: fifteen hundred pages, and then a small summary with words they chose. That's what. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. You know, we pretty vehemently objected to that because mm-hmm. that is suppressing the knowledge. That's making sure that people mm-hmm. don't get the information. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to the to, to what the, we did.
0: Set up in the front yard. Yeah, that yeah. setup.
2: We set it up. We had tents out donated and we raised money and we mm-hmm. bought tents and we put the tents up we hung all the posters we put mm-hmm. our tables out with the charts and uh, and things that people could pick up we got posters that showed the bomb
1: mm-hmm. with
2: the red strike through the circle with the strike it says mm-hmm. no bombing mm-hmm. it says uh, no like no bombing. Tinian and Pagan, our home, you know, mm-hmm. our history, our home. It was, it was a beautiful little poster, I mean, a little sticker for their cars and things. Mm-hmm. And people were taking stickers and putting them on their clothes as they went in. So when you looked mm-hmm. out in the audience, you saw a sea of these no bomb the bombs stickers. anti
0: And by the way, yeah. you can still see those stickers all around town.
2: Yeah, they're still out there in big numbers. Mm-hmm. But not only did they see all this, we played. We had KKMP came with their sound equipment. And That's
0: like the main radio station. The right? main
2: radio station mm-hmm. and, the, and uh, Gary Sword and, and mm-hmm. Roseman. Roseman is one of the Guardians of Ghani people.
0: Mm-hmm. and His, wife. Uh,
2: his mm-hmm. wife. And they, first of all, they used the radio station to get the word out. To mm-hmm. tell people, this is where you need to go. You need to show that you care about your islands. You can't let this go so unattended. So people knew
0: about the hearing. They
2: knew about it. We mm-hmm. pushed and we pushed and we let everybody know how to get there.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: then when they got there, KKMP... Uh, I, I actually provided these. I went out and I found soundtracks of bombing ranges. Mm-hmm. And he, Gary put them on the public, uh, PA system. And it, as you walked... With
0: the school's PA system? No, on the
2: one that he brought. Oh, okay, on, okay, On his truck. We set mm-hmm. it all up. And so he was there like an MC. He was talking to people. They were mm-hmm. playing live music. They were singing songs. And actually having a lot of fun with it. Mm-hmm. Like People were smiling and getting into it. Mm-hmm. But as they read our stuff, as they picked up the things, and they walked... The long walk to the cafeteria, they walked with the accompaniment of bombs being dropped in very loud volume. <laughs> and you could hear the helicopters, you could hear the machine guns, you could mm-hmm. hear the explosions. You could hear everything but the screams. It was just amazing. <laughs> I guess there wouldn't be screams, but still. you know. But it was, you couldn't help but laugh when you just saw, the, what does the military think on the inside? They're used to nobody coming,
1: mm-hmm.
2: nobody paying attention, nobody caring. And here they have an angry population that's onto them,
1: mm-hmm. that
2: knows what they're trying to do. They recognize it's an existential threat, that what the Navy wants to do is the end of our lives. As we know it, we'll all have to move.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's the end of the use of language every day because you'll be living in Boise, you'll be living in Portland, you'll be living in San Francisco, mm-hmm. you'll be living in Hawaii. You'll be spread out because you can't live here anymore. It's, it's the end. If they do this, it's culturally, it's the end. Is this it, the end of the story.
0: So I'm getting a feel for the grassroots movement. Mm-hmm. You're on the radio, you're in the newspaper, you have online petitions going around, you're coming to public hearings. Mm-hmm. But what about the legal and the political fields?
2: Very good, I'm glad you asked because that was equally important. We were focusing at first on the people because we needed to get the politicians' attention. Mm-hmm. You know, if the governor, if the legislature decided It's okay. Let's give the military the bombing ranges. They could give it to them, and they'd have them. Mm -hmm. If they say no, it's very hard for the military to get these. They're going to have to convince the U.S. Congress to agree that they can condemn our islands and take them for bombing ranges because Mm -hmm. they're not allowed by the Constitution, by the Covenant. Is that
0: eminent domain? They would
2: have to use eminent domain. And
0: that requires congressional approval.
2: Yes, it does. So it's very hard for them to go that route, and I think it's very unlikely that they would prevail if they have to go that route. Um, But everything's possible, and you can't, you know, it's like a a gun, maybe you've got a gun with one bullet in it in six chambers, Mm -hmm. and yeah, the chances are five to one that if you point it at your head and pull the trigger, you won't get killed, but there's Mm -hmm. that bullet in there. We have to take this very, very seriously. If they prevail, we lose everything. Mm -hmm. We lose lose our our life here, Mm -hmm. it's over.
0: So you needed the governor to say no.
2: Yes, and now the governor and the legislators, one by one, they started to change their mind. And let's face it—you know, a mm-hmm. third of the U.S. economy goes right into the military, and much more mm-hmm. outside of that serves the military indirectly through mm-hmm. retirements and and just things that that are related to um, military. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so originally, lawmakers and the governor. Had not they were not like resolved to be against this at all? No, they were kind of saying,
2: "Oh, okay, well, here's a chance for us to get some money. This is a good thing." Mm -hmm. But they, just like everyone else, they had to be educated. But then they also, they're politicians, so when they see the public is against it, now they're definitely against it, and Mm -hmm. that that was key. That was key. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: So now there's another aspect to this, and, and it goes back to the environmental impact statements. The way it works is the agency that has the project creates a draft environmental impact statement and they hold public hearings now in the period of time from the time that they publish that to the time that they issue their final environmental impact statement Mm -hmm. people get to comment and it's not just the public it's the government Now, I was in government I was in fish and wildlife and I was talking to people I didn't really know how the EIS worked. We all naively thought that if we oppose this, they can't do it. Mm
1: -hmm. But
2: that's not what the EIS process is about. And we got very, very lucky because we started talking to the Center for Biological Diversity and to Earth Justice. Mm
1: -hmm. And it
2: was Mark Fink at at, the Center for Biological Diversity that explained it to me. Mm -hmm. The way it works is this. In that period of time when they take comments.
0: This is e- between the draft EAS and the final EAS? Yes, yes. Okay.
2: In that period of time, when they have public hearings, when people can write letters, if you get your concern into the record, the agency, requesting agency, in this case the Navy, has to respond to it. If you don't get your can
1: concern. Can you give an example?
2: Okay, an example would be Pazolani, the volcanic ash on Pagan. Mm -hmm. It's classified as a pozzolan. It's used for making the world's hardest concrete. But it's also carcinogenic. Mm -hmm. When it's blown up and there's fine dust in the air, people who breathe that are exposed to a very powerful carcinogen. Okay, so one of my comments was, what about the pozzolonic dust that's carcinogenic? Mm
0: -hmm. Now,
2: they have to answer that.
0: In their next EIS. In their
2: final EIS, Mm -hmm. they have to answer it. They have to say what the impact will be. They have to acknowledge the impact or they have to deny the impact. Mm -hmm. But the fact is, you brought
0: it up. So they need to respond.
2: You brought it up. They had a chance to respond. We had a chance to bring it up. Now, after they they have their final EIS published, in which they respond to your question, and after they make their record of decision, which is their decision, they decide, despite all the objections, despite all the impact, we're going to proceed anyway, which they will definitely do.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Now... The public and the government, armed with this knowledge about the impacts, can do something about it. We can say, no, you can't bomb this island and create all this carcinogenic pozzolanic dust because you're exposing our troops to carcinogenic dust. What are you going to do? You can't do that. If you do that, we're going to sue you because you're endangering them.
0: So basically the effect is twofold. One, you get your comment in and you slow down the process to get to the final EIS because they have all of these comments to respond to. Well, that that does happen. And it, then two yeah. is that you're armed with more knowledge so that if they decide to push their record of decision through, you now have what you need to oppose them in the political realm.
2: Yes, in the okay. political, in the legal realm. Mm-hmm. Um, now, let's say I didn't bring up the puzzle dust and they didn't bring it up. Then mm-hmm. I say after the record of decision, I say, hey, wait a minute that dust is carcinogenic. They say, sorry. Too late. Too late. You didn't bring it up. Mm-hmm. That applies to everything. If you didn't bring up the fact that the noise, the decibel level of shooting howitzers mm-hmm. in Tinian is going to disrupt people's learning in school or their church services, they can say, sorry, you didn't bring it up. We don't have to address that.
0: Mm-hmm. If you
2: for, if you didn't bring up the fact that there's no place to, to store all the garbage and all the mm-hmm all the exploded ammunition that there's you haven't told us where that's going to go they say sorry you didn't bring it
0: up so at that point they you can't come at them later and say you should have known about this because you had a window when you could have brought it up and you didn't bring it up exactly so now the navy's not responsible for it either right okay so what about all those comments on the petition
2: they same deal
0: were I, those used
2: yes yeah, so, Well, so what happened is when i sent my comments my comments were four pages long Mm-hmm. and a lot of my friends did the same thing, and we just kind of split up uh, our issues. Some of them were repeated.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, because everyone needed to have the chance to voice their concern, the big thing was the government. Now the government paid attention because but now you, the government... So
0: this, this whole... Sorry, really quick. Mm-hmm. So the whole strategy where you give them as many comments as possible so that they then have to recognize those comments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they were hit with... How many comments through the petition?
2: Just the public comments. um, I'm not sure through the petition because Mm. there were letters that were written. Mm. and We we had letter writing campaigns. We even set up a booth where you could come in and look on a wall and see all the issues and pick those that are are important to you and we'll help you write your letter.
0: How many comments were there in response to the CJMT though?
2: For the CJMT there were Mm. 30,000 comments which included Mm. even it included letters. Mm-hmm. It included um, filling out forms that where you put your comment on the forms at the public hearings. Mm-hmm. It included government responses, um, and it included uh, the comments made um, in petitions along with petitioning when mm-hmm. you say, "I don't, I'm against this, and here's why." Those are comments. They all added up, and it was an extremely unexpected number. Yeah, for the I was Navy. thinking
0: with with Merck and with MIT. There was basically no response. Hardly anything, right? And then suddenly they have thirty thousand comments. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: Now what Mark Fink had taught me about the EIS process and how it was important Mm -hmm. that you name everything you can, even if it's just a list. It doesn't matter because what you're doing is a placeholder. It means you can discuss it.
0: Mm it. Means you
2: can sue over it. That. I had to get that information out into all the agencies because the people who were working on this, and now the government was paying attention. And our responses from the my government were amazing. They were great. There were heroes, people in the government and scientists who wrote, what they wrote was heroic. And I I know some of these people just, they, they worked many, many hours and did extensive research and extensive work under deadline. And you know what else? Who pays for this? The government had to cease doing their job so they could respond to this threat, to everything that they're working for. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine you're in a government agency to protect the environment, to protect the people's health, and all of a sudden, here's this threat. You have to deal with it.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: we, we got the permission from the governor down. to said, you will do this. You will stop whatever you're doing and make sure your responses are thorough and complete. Which governor was this? this was, um, it was Enos mm-hmm. at the time, and then Ralph. Ralph was the lieutenant governor, or, I mean, sorry, Ralph Torres. Mm-hmm. So our governor and our lieutenant governor were opposed to this. Now, our governor at the time, um, uh, Governor Enos, he was playing his cards close to his chest, and, and he, wasn't, he didn't want to, to anger the feds. Everyone's afraid of angering the feds. And because we have a lot of things dependent on a good relationship with the federal government, um, all these agencies that we rely on, and grant money that comes in, which is you know a fundamental uh, fuel for our agencies and, and a lot of the things that we do. Mm-hmm. People are afraid that if they say no to the military, that they will they'll lose that. And we also educated about that too. And in the, the story for that, that I tell people is very simple: the American government is a dysfunctional family. <laughs> there are people on one hand trying to save the wild animals. There are people, on the other hand, trying to get rid of all the wild animals. <laughs> there are people trying to destroy their environment. There's people, on the one hand, trying to keep the water clean. There's people, on the other hand, trying to pour their chemicals in the water. Politicians against politicians and agencies against agencies. It is a truly dysfunctional family. So, you know, as I go do this, people say, Oh, you're an activist. You're against America. So what are you talking about? I am the American. I'm the one exercising... My right as an American, and I'm participating in government. Mm-hmm. I'm working with allies within the government, trying to do the right thing for the people. Mm-hmm. This is what activists do. But we don't do it for, for money. We do it free, and we wear ourselves out, and we burn ourselves out doing this, mm-hmm. trying to do something good that needs to be done. That's what we do. And that's what, that's what activism is. And, and, and in a CNMI when I got here, activism was a dirty word. <laughs> we had to deal with that attitude. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then we just did it. We said, look, stop thinking of an activist as some troublemaker. An activist is you, is mm-hmm. someone who lives here, who is trying to spread the word about a danger, or trying to encourage something that's good for everybody. All we are is people involved in our community. That's
0: all we are. It sounds like the grassroots part flipped the politicians, because yes. now suddenly they see that their constituents want something and their job relies on them going along with right. them. That's their responsibility as representatives. But then there's the third element, the legal element. So how did that start?
2: Okay, so we're dealing in this fight against... It is a David and Goliath fight. The military is very well funded. The military has been getting around environmental law for decades. They have full-time staff who know the EIS process inside and out. They know what works. Mm -hmm. They have resources to give them any legal... Um, research that they need they they do, this is their job full time, an army of people to get Navy, Marines, Air Force, all these projects through the barriers that, that they have to overcome to get their project done mm-hmm. but look at us, what are we? I'm a frigging programmer, mm-hmm. I don't know I'm not a lawyer, I can't represent in the court of law I, I'm not a trained attorney mm-hmm. I have no money
1: mm-hmm.
2: but we got really really lucky Because, you know, it's not that we're powerless. Because we have a couple things. We have our hearts, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and we're on the right side of the issue. Mm -hmm. We're right. To be right is very, very powerful. Because you don't have to argue too hard. People see that that's right. (laughs) Now, the people who do something wrong, uh, they have to build uh, an excuse for their behavior. They have a harder job to do. They need that army of lawyers. They need all these people to get people to do something against their interests. That's expensive and that's hard. Anyway, we got very, very lucky because we got uh, advice from Center for Biological Diversity who works closely with Earth Justice and we got free representation Mm -hmm. from Earth Justice where we just pay their expenses Mm
1: -hmm. and
2: their organization has raised money and they pay the attorneys who work with us. Um, But it wasn't really so easy that we didn't just say, hey, we got this problem. We actually had to woo them. We had to you know, help them understand and, and real, recognize the importance of it. How
0: did you do that?
2: Well, what we did is we chartered a boat.
0: and
1: mm-hmm.
2: we, we got a bunch of people who've never been to Pagan to pay and chip in and pay a little more than their, their share of the, uh, of the charter. Mm-hmm. And we got enough from them with some other donations that we could bring three people there free, and we bought someone from Center for Biological Diversity, and we brought someone from Earth Justice, mm-hmm. who turned out to be the lawyer that took the case, and that's David Henkin. Mm-hmm. And we also brought a photographer who, who did work and still does work for National Geographic. Mm-hmm. And what a team, when these guys got together and they saw and they experienced what mm-hmm. Pogan was, they knew this is not appropriate to use this for a bombing, range. it is just too special. And, uh, and it was what a trip. happened when
0: you got to Pagan? What did you guys do?
2: Well, Poggin was a great adventure because we took the Super Emerald, which is really a ferry. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's not got the right kind of hull for um, bad weather.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And when the weather starts to get bad, it's very uncomfortable on that boat because it doesn't have the deep hull to keep it straight. It's flopping around on top of the water.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But in worse weather, it's downright dangerous. So when we got to Pagan, we're okay. But then the weather started to get bad, and after about four days, um, the decision was to abandon the boat and let it be destroyed by the by the the weather. So you
0: got stranded. We got on stranded. an abandoned island with mm-hmm. the Earth Justice lawyer, yeah, and did. the the Center for Biological yep. Diversity rep, yeah, and the photographer. And
2: the photographer. The the boat, <laughs> by the way, made it. it. It limped back into Saipan after a long. Trip where there were there was damage and it almost flipped a couple times, mm-hmm. but um, the owners did not want us on that, boat and they and they they protected us. But how while long we were on Pagan, I think we were there about eight days. I, I I have to look that up actually. But and
0: how long were you planning on being there? We were
2: only going. We could only afford to charter that for like two nights. Right? Was <laughs> it three? It was something like two nights and three days. Mm-hmm. But we got stuck there, and in that time we used it. Mm-hmm. And we got lots of time, even though the weather was bad. There were some clear times, and the photographer he had his drone looking around, and he had mm-hmm. the um, he had lots of great footage and video. And uh, the lawyers and um, the center, the biological diversity people, they were walking all over the island, and they were seeing
1: mm-hmm.
2: how beautiful it is. And and they Can really you got the idea. It? What does it look like? It's it's really an unreal kind of place because it's since it's volcanic the soil's black. Hmm. And during the Japanese era the people brought their plants and they've survived. They've gone kind of feral. They're out there. Hmm. And including Japan grass. So you have this bright green clumps of grass over black soil. It's just beautiful. Hmm. The trees are healthy. Coconut trees on Guam, they just they just look pathetic. They're they're so We're damaged by insects.
0: Because of, because of invasive oh, species. Yeah, that right. they've
2: also got big problem. Mm-hmm. They're, they're projecting that Guam will lose all its coconut trees. Um, but uh, on Pagan, the environment is healthy, and the, the the leaves on the coconut trees are thick, and they're deep green. They're mm-hmm. tall, and they're magnificent looking. There's um, trees that are big trees everywhere. There's... Um, a lot of wildlife. You see uh, the coconut crab, the zuzu, are mm-hmm. big. They're, they're so big that if you spread them out, measuring from side to side with, from the tips of their legs to the other side, more than a foot. Mm-hmm. There's um, finihi, the, the um, fruit bat, flying in the air.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You can see them. They're, they're, they're just all over the place. And those are endangered, right? They're endangered. Mm-hmm. And, but they're there, and they're healthy.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: um, in the water, when you get into the water, the fish don't know people. They're not afraid of you. And every morning there's a pod of dolphins that comes along the coast. And you can see them, it's like clockwork. They're, always, mm-hmm. they're feeding right along the edge mm-hmm. and they go down every morning they're there. The birds are colorful. There's a lot of um, feral ungulates out there. <laughs> they're, they're there. There are herds of cattle guarded mm-hmm. by bulls. And you have to be careful. There, um, there are pigs, big pigs, and you have to be careful of them because they'll charge you, mm-hmm. right? There's goats. There, it was really interesting being stranded there with these uh, people from Earth Justice and uh, National Geographic and um, Center for Biological Diversity because they were vegan or, or mm-hmm. vegetarians and we were running out of food.
1: Mm-hmm. But
2: you cannot <laughs> starve on Pagan because you just go out and we were getting coconut heart of palm and we're making a salad out of that, having green papaya salad. Mm-hmm. We made ahu from the from the green coconut, we had some maple syrup for our sweetener, and, <laughs> and it was great. And we, we just kept finding food. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the mango, it wasn't mango season, because I've been there before when you could not, you could not possibly finish the mangoes. There were <laughs> just so many mangoes, and they were so sweet. But the island, is you're not going to starve. And, and I really saw a look in the vegetarians' eyes of anticipation that they're going to get to eat some meat. <laughs> because they didn't have any choice we were running out we were almost mm. out of rice and we were mm. we used all our canned goods all our fruit was gone we were now starting to live off the land
0: mm. okay.
2: but we were definitely eating fresh pork
0: oh you slaughtered a pig yeah, yeah. One,
2: one time in fact uh, Kelly the who's a boat owner and the captain mm. she came uh, on one of those um, one of those farm vehicles that pull a small trailer Mm-hmm. And it was getting dark, and we could hear it coming, and we looked. We were at the church.
0: Mm-hmm. So there was some equipment the there on the yeah, island. Yeah, there
2: was some equipment there that people use when they go there. And there's some roads, some mining roads, that they keep open. And
0: Like dirt roads? Yeah, mm-hmm. there
2: are dirt roads. And there's no paved roads. There's, there's no electricity. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a well Mm-hmm. And I think there's another place where there's a well but there's only one functional well. So there's right just
0: now. there's like some leftovers from when there was a civilization on Poggan. And that's why there's like yeah, well, feral cows and stuff. Yeah,
2: those when mm-hmm. people left they left the animals there and they, they survived. Okay. And um so Kelly came on this uh vehicle pulling two freshly slaughtered pigs. <laughs> And we were in the church there's a church that survived the, uh, the that survived the eruption, the, eruption. The, the volcanic ash just went right over Pagan village and so the all that was left was the tops of some of the buildings like the dispensary mm-hmm. where Pagan where um, sent his father um, that was their home that's mm-hmm. still there you can peer down into the hollow under the roof to their old home
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, but the 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 church was only half buried mm-hmm. and the Pagan family's mm-hmm emptied it they shoved took shovels and they cleaned it out mm-hmm. and it has no windows and it's no door but I just happened to have a giant tarp mm-hmm. and I got that tarp over all the windows and mm-hmm. we were hiding in there during this Wait, it had windows or not? it had window openings we didn't have glass
1: oh that's it didn't have okay. mm-hmm. yeah
2: the windows were there but we had to stop the rain from coming in so I got this giant tarp was 30 by 50 feet
1: mm-hmm. and
2: managed to get it over the roof and down past the windows Mm -hmm. and we had another um we made a makeshift door out of tarp for the front Mm -hmm. we were pretty cozy in there actually and we had our tents on the on the concrete floor Mm -hmm. it was fun
0: so would you say that um getting stranded on poggin was actually pretty helpful for your cause yes
2: it was (laughs) and you know many of us feel that we're guided in this that that Mm -hmm. we that there's some ancestors maybe that are um pulling the strings you wanted know, to make sure that
0: the, that the your legal representatives were passionate.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it could well be because I, I often wonder about that because I had a pretty good life in San Francisco and mm-hmm. I felt an urge urgent call to mm-hmm. oppose the mining and I felt an urgent call again to deal with uh, the um, the military when I was here
1: mm-hmm. when I got
2: here and I and I, you know, a lot of us talk about this about why are we here why are we doing this. And it seems we have lost control of our lives that we are doing this because we have to do it. We're not sure how we got to that position in our thinking that we have to do it. We have no choice. We have to do this. So anyway, yes, we kind of speculate. Oh yeah, these guys are pretty clever. They they made sure we were stranded until everybody (laughs) was thoroughly, thoroughly converted into understanding how special that place is. Yeah.
0: And so Dave Henkin, he hadn't decided whether he was going to cover the case yet?
2: No. He, he, it was informational. He wanted to come out and take a look.
0: Oh, my God.
2: Yeah. <laughs> take a look. And David is, is he's a very, very good attorney. He does his homework. He's been very successful. And he kind of works by himself. He's in the Hawaii office and doesn't have a lot, like Like in San Francisco, I mean, think we have a lot more staff, a, a mm-hmm. lot of support, and para, paralegals, people that can help. Mm-hmm. But... um yeah, he's, he's just really good at it. and um, we, we needed a good lawyer because it doesn't matter if you're right.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: not in this world. The rich and the powerful usually get what they want because they have better lawyers. Mm-hmm. And that's how it is. But well, we've got a good lawyer.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know what their motto is at Earth Justice, right?
1: No, is
0: it?
2: Because the Earth needs a good lawyer.
0: I think that's as good of a place as any to end. Uncle Pete, thank you so much for your time.
2: You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for for your interest in sharing the story.
0: You're listening to The Alternative Zero Project, which was edited by Jack Doyle and funded in part by the Institute for Journalism and Natural Resources and Marianas Variety. Want the latest news on the Alternative Zero Coalition? You can listen to more episodes on the Marianas Variety website or shoot us an email at Alternative Zero Project at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.